Welcome to the Small Hours Podcast. My name's Al Gavada. Thank you very much for joining us. It is episode 20. I can't even believe that we actually uh, committed enough to actually get to number 20. Number 20, we're it's here, man. almost half a year. Wow. Not quite yet. Another six episodes, but, uh, well, actually, it's been longer than that when we start September, so we're at about five months already, so four or five months, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to count. <laughs> but, but anyway, welcome to Small Hours Podcast. My name is Al Gavada. With me today... Your brother, Joe. Brother Joe with me today for episode number 20. Of course, since it is episode number 20, cheers to you, my brother. There you go. Let's uh, enjoy a little um, frosted beverage. And cheers to you as well, our listeners of Smaller's Podcast, episode 20. Huh? Oh, my gosh. That was cold. Nice and chill. Oh, man. I think you drank what I left. How <laughs> <laughs> was thirsty. <clears throat> of course, since uh, it is carbonated, that is going to be the result of chugging almost... An entire beer. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you very much for joining us. A lot of stuff going on, of course. Since we last spoke, I had a, a, another special episode of the Small Hours Podcast uploaded. Did you get a chance to check out the Venom Inc. interview? I saw that, man. That was the... Uh, I, I, I didn't get to check it out. Don't lie. You, we <laughs> I, saw the truth. That, I saw that you uploaded it. I just haven't had See, earlier, before we started recording, I recorded a little mini video for Facebook. Uh, if the camera was still on, you would have seen my brother going, Don't ask me. Don't ask me. I'm don't, don't do it. But, I'm uh, one of four listeners, so yeah, I didn't listen. That's 25% didn't get a chance to listen. <laughs> but no, uh, I uploaded the video, the um, audio of the interview I had with Venom Inc., and I'll get into the details of that. I uploaded that last week, and uh, it was uh, great, man. Last I checked, the post had reached over 1,150 people. That's awesome. Which is <laughs> like awesome. more than like every other single post and episode of the Small Hours Podcast combined, combined had reached. Very cool. So it's a good and bad. <laughs> good for that post. Bad for the history of the Small Hours Podcast. Anyway, but no, it was, it was great. Uh, along with that, there's uh, been more celebrity deaths. I didn't get them all, but uh, yeah. I, I, we are going to be talking about one. And also, a very unfortunate and just... Mm, I don't know what the word I want to use uh, to Moronic. describe... Just disappointing, disgusting... I mean, just anyway, event in metal that happened. So I'll tell you, uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later on with a uh, lead singer of a legendary metal band. So, yeah. all right, going to kick it off with some uh, movie news. Kung Fu Panda, man, with an estimated $41 million, Kung Fu Panda 3 crushed the previous January animated opening weekend record of $19.4 million. Held by the nut job bag in uh, 2014, it's also bordering on enough to become the second largest January opening of all time, just shy of the first ride-alongs $41.5 million, uh-huh. also from 2014. So, not too shabby. Compared to the first two Panda films, the opening does signify yet another drop from the original film, $60.2 million. Kung Fu Panda 2 had $47.6 million, but it does have an A cinema score, and there's not another animated release until March 4th, which is Zootopia, so it has a month all to itself to take in the animated family dollar. In second and third position, The Revenant and Star Wars The Force Awakens had amazing holds, both dropping less than 25% after the snowstorm had a significant impact on their 
their totals last weekend. The Revenant still brought in an estimated $12.4 million. Star Wars added another $10.7 million wow. to its cube, which is now less than $5 million shy of, ready for this, domestically $900 million. <laughs> Again, it's amazing. The investment was a good investment for yes. uh, Star Wars properties. Internationally, Star Wars added another $12.6 million, and its worldwide gross is now up to $1.983 billion. It's knock, knock, knocking on two billions door. Wow. That's crazy. Next wide release on the chart finds us in fourth place where the finest hours performed largely as expected, bringing in 10.3 million along with it actually a minus cinema score. So that's good. While the result was expected, it's not exactly a winning opening for a film, especially since it had a budget reported to be in the 70 to 80 million dollar range. It ended up reeling in almost exactly as much as December's In the Heart of the Sea, which opened with 11 million dollars, but in less theaters. Moving to the bottom of the top 10, 50 Shades of Black is in a fight for ninth place coming in just ahead of 13 hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, with an estimated $6.1 million. The expectations of the spoof film from Marlon Wayans were as wide as $6 to $12 million heading into the weekend, but in the end, the film came in on the very low side of that range, with a budget said to be around $5 million. It's not a flop. I mean, you know, it's already done better than its budget, but in comparison to the A Haunted House films, which are really funny, it's well short of the $18.1 million the first one brought in back in January 2013, and even the $8.8 million the sequel learned a year later. Additionally, the C cinema score doesn't bode well for its holdover next weekend, but honestly, I think more of the money's made on uh, DVD sales, Blu-ray sales, and, and on-demand stuff. Yeah, yeah, and and again, they're, uh, like like you said about uh, about several acts in past shows, that it's almost the same character. They're, it's the same guy, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a niche that he has. Yes. It's a spoof of a different movie, but, but it's... But he has his audience. Yeah, yeah, it's that same audience that'll follow that. I think it looks hilarious. Yeah. Um, Have you seen the Haunted House films? I've seen them, yeah. Funny, man. They are. They <laughs> because, are. Because they, uh, what I like about the, the Wayne films, they're, I mean, they're way out there. I mean, they don't hold anything back. Nothing. I mean, he'll... <laughs> It gets pretty crazy. For the obvious. Of course. And for the... And it'll go beyond. <laughs> Just past. <laughs> Which is great. And and he's a funny guy, so that adds to it. The biggest disappointment of the weekend, however, is the Natalie Portman-led Western. Did you know that she had made a Western? No. It's called Jane Got a Gun with an estimated $803,000 from 1,210 theaters. The film scored a mere $664 per theater average. This is by far the worst wide release opening in her career and the worst opening on a per theater average with 2011's Hesher, which opened in four. 42 theaters with about a $3,000 per theater average, a distant second. On a more positive side, Shorts HD and Magnolia Pictures released the 2016 Oscar-nominated Shorts into 112 theaters and actually made over half a million dollars. Wow. The best result for the theatrical release of the short films yet. Last year's release opened in little, uh, six more theaters and pulled in a little over $400,000. Went on to make over $2.4 million. Not too bad for short films. I hope the creators get some of that. Yeah. So yeah, that Next week, another 80 theaters will be added to the list with several more being added the weekend of February 12th, playing through Oscar weekend. Jumping back to the top 10, Ride Along 2 dropped only 33% to finish with an estimated $8.3 million, followed by last week's new release, The Boy, which dropped a mere $26.8 million with uh, $7.8 million, not too shabby. Fellow sophomore efforts from Dirty Grandpa and The Fifth Wave dipped less than 33%, finishing with $7.5 and $7 million respectively. From an award season perspective, the big short room and spotlight won Screen Actors Guild Awards over the weekend and all three along with Brooklyn, performed very well. Bunched up in the 12 to 15 positions on the weekend chart. Only Spotlight dropped over 10%, but at the same time, it also lost 315 theaters from last weekend. Next weekend, sees the release of the Coen Brothers' new comedy, Hail Caesar, the latest Nicholas uh, Sparks adaptation, The Choice, and the zombie comedy, Pride and Prejudice, 
and zombies. So, <laughs> oh, speaking of Kevin Hart and uh, and Ride Along too, I finally got a chance to watch Get Hard with Will Ferrell. Have you seen uh-huh. that one? Yes. <laughs> oh man, uh, there's a couple of scenes that I think they, even though it was rated R, they edited. I don't know if it was because they were threatened with a a X, yeah, NC seventeen or X, because like there's a scene where there's full frontal nudity and face to penis contact with Will Ferrell, and but there's another part where he's standing in front of a window, buck naked, as far as we can tell, and he starts doing squats. I'm like, there's something missing. There's got to yeah. be something. Yeah. yeah, so I was like, I mean, my dog has him. I don't know what happened to Will yeah. Ferrell. So I'm guessing they uh, had to digitally remove his under undercarriage. Yeah. With a little snipping in there. So Will Ferrell was neutered for uh, Get Hard. <laughs> he G.I. Joe'd. Yeah, G.I. Joe'd for a Kend for a Get, uh, get Hard. Uh, speaking of uh, other movies from Variety, Universal Pictures and Vin Diesel have confirmed there will be a ninth and a tenth film in its Fast and Furious franchise with release dates in 2019 and 2021. The News was first unveiled late Tuesday night through Diesel's Instagram account. Diesel had revealed on January 18th that the eighth film would be titled Fast 8 and released the first poster for the action movie showing the New York City skyline. Universal had already staked out April 14th, 2017 as a release date for Fast 8. Diesel and Universal both said Tuesday that Fast and Furious 9 will open on April 19th of 2019 and 10 coming out April 2nd, 2021. Both are the first titles to land on their respective dates. Fast and Furious 10 is the first title to be given a specific date all the way in 2021. Wow. Plot details have yet to be revealed for Fast 8, although news broke last month that Universal was exploring shooting the actioner in Cuba. That'll be interesting. Straight out of Compton, director F. Gary Gray is directing and Neil Moritz is producing with Diesel. Furious 7, which was dedicated to the late Paul Walker, was a massive success with worldwide grosses topping $1.5 billion. The first film in the franchise was titled Fast and the Furious, starred Diesel, Walker, Jordana Brewster, and Michelle Rodriguez, with Rob Cohen directing and Moritz producing. The 2001 release carried a budget of only $40 million and grossed $145 million domestically <laughs> and another $62 million internationally. So when they came out with two and you're like, really? And three and Tokyo Drift and all, I was like, really? And guess what, man? I think when it really went into overdrive was Fast Five when uh, The Rock came in and it was just kicked it up a notch, man. It was great. I, I really have enjoyed these last few movies. And I and I haven't even seen them because of the third and fourth that kind of. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, but if you haven't seen five, start with five. It's okay. almost like a new series. There are a couple things like I didn't see Tokyo Drift until after I saw the new ones. So um, and I think four, I don't think I've seen. There are some things that happen that come back into play uh, on the later films. But I don't think you really, really need to see them. But they seem to be okay quality. Maybe not quite up at the level of 5, 6, and 7. Because those are, I mean, I really, really enjoyed those. I, I've been enjoying them a lot more, I guess, since uh, then. I think, which one was it that, um, I think it was 3 or something that didn't even have Paul Walker or didn't have uh, Vin Diesel. I don't know what. Yeah. It was just two other guys. I think it was Tokyo Drift for Tokyo sure. Tokyo Drift, yeah. Didn't have, didn't have him, but. Uh, had that kid from Sling Blade. Yeah. So uh, each has their strengths, but uh, the, the latter ones have just been fantastic. I, I've really enjoyed them. The action, as a matter of fact, so much so that when I saw Spectre this weekend, I was underwhelmed. The, the helicopter opening scene on Day of the Dead in Mexico, it was just like, I don't know, it felt it was like by the numbers or something. It was weird. And then the big, uh, I guess, a chase scene later in the movie, it just didn't have the kinetic energy. I guess that now I'm used to with the Fast and the Furious films, at least these latter ones. And I was actually surprised that the James Bond movie wasn't as satisfying to me as maybe it was a letdown because it wasn't as good as Skyfall. Maybe, maybe because I know you like that one a lot. Yeah, it was a really good movie. I mean, I've enjoyed him. I enjoyed Casino Royale a lot. Quantum of Solace was okay, but not at the level of Casino Royale. Skyfall was great. 
I really, really enjoyed Skyfall, and this one was a letdown. So it's kind of like an up and down with this one's. Yeah. You know what's interesting, though? Have you seen Spectre? No, I have not. The way it ends would be satisfying if it's Daniel Craig's last James Bond movie. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it can continue, but the way it ended, it was like, okay, he had a good outro. You know what okay. I mean? Like, it's like, thank you very much for your service as uh, 007, you know, on to the next guy or whatever. But uh, if he comes back, well, he's still... You can just pick up where, right yeah. where he's at. Pick up, exactly. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez, talking about the the Fast and Furious, uh-huh. was on with... Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Bear Grylls. Oh. You know how they go out in, in the Into w- the wild. Into the wild with Bear Grylls. Yeah. And they were talking about the movies, and, and he asked, you know, do you get tired of that same character, of a lot of the action? She goes, well, you know, something like, I enjoy the company, I enjoy the movies. Yeah, it does get a little bit, okay, this again, mm-hmm. but... The paycheck's great. <laughs> I was going to say, really? I mean, because there's a lot of us who feel that, okay, this again every day and don't have that paycheck. You know what I mean? Yeah, she goes, I mean, if, just from that standpoint, it, it pays off really well. And when you have a chance to step away from it for a while and do other things, mm-hmm. and you come in reinvigorated and go and do it again. And that's the thing, though, because she has the opportunity to do pretty much whatever she wants. Right. When, you get, when you're at that level where you get a pretty, I mean, she's not a superstar Tom Cruise level or anything like that, but she's got to be making a pretty decent paycheck. Oh, yeah. To where, you know, let's say it's a half a million dollars, which is probably more. She can go and do whatever she wants. She can take off a month or two and do a, a film that she just wants to do just for fun. Or something that maybe I want to do it because I want to get a kick out of it. Or I want to film over there because I've never been there. She has that opportunity. Or support this director. Right. or A yeah. friend or whatever. You know what I mean? Or write something if she wants to. Or so, do nothing. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And there's plenty of people who do that. Like Chris Tucker, who's like, yeah, rush hour. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, I mean, don't really need to do anything else. You know, so uh, we were talking about uh, deaths in uh, 2016 and another one. This one actually kind of a shocker. This was from Blabbermouth. The surviving members of Last in Line released a statement saying that the official cause of death of their bassist, Jimmy Bain, is lung cancer. Bain died on January 23rd aboard Def Leppard's inaugural Hysteria on the High Seas cruise. Wow. Now, he was 68 years old. Bain, along with drummer Vinnie Peace and guitarist Vivian Campbell, was part of the original Dio lineup, which reunited in 2012 alongside singer Andrew Freeman to form. Last in line. Vinny said Jimmy didn't know he had lung cancer, but he did know he had pneumonia and was receiving treatment for it. This didn't stop him, slow him down. We had four rehearsals, four hours a day, then a flight to Miami for the Def Leppard Rock Cruise. Pre-sale gig and soundcheck was scheduled for the following day. At the gig, Jimmy played great, even sang that night while holding a heavy bass guitar on his back, never complaining or asking for help. Next day, we proceeded to board the cruise ship for a five-day voyage on which we were scheduled to play Sunday, the fourth day. That gig never happened. Jimmy passed away in his cabin the night before. We were devastated. Last in Line's debut album, Heavy Crown, will be released on February 19th. The CD was recorded at a Southern California studio with producer Jeff Pilsen of Dawkin, a veteran bassist who has played with Dio and Foreigner, among others. Born in Scotland on December 19, 1947, Bain joined Rainbow in time to appear on the band's second album, 1976's Rising. He was fired a year later and went on to guest with Thin Lizzy and worked in Thin Lizzy frontman's Phil and Not Solo band before forming Wild Horses with ex-Thin Lizzy guitarist Brian Robertson. He appeared on Gary Moore's 1983 album Dirty Fingers before joining Dio and playing on seven Dio albums with vocalist Ronnie James Dio from the 1983 debut Holy Diver to 2002's Killing the Dragon. So rest in peace, Jimmy Bain. And I remember hearing um, Eddie Trunk talking about it, how he, well, first off, they were stuck because of weather. So he, he wasn't even able to get a lot of things done. And uh, then he, he was talking about how it was just an just unimaginable shock that uh, he passed away, like literally on the cruise ship. Wow. 
Wow. So just sad, sad news. Losing another one of our heavy metal, you know, the elders, man, the elder statement, yeah. statesmen of our genre that we're losing, you know, and it's like, it, unfortunately, it just seems like it's going to start becoming more and more frequent now. Sure. Yeah. They're getting, they're all getting to that age or a lot of them are getting to that age. I mean, I was and, thinking about how uh, Steve Perry is like already in his sixties Yeah, from journey. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. You know? And Eddie Van Halen is in his sixties. Like what? <laughs> and, and all of them have been through a version of, of uh, some kind of a medical problem that they've surpassed or, mm-hmm. you know, they all went through that really heavy drug-laden 80s. And mm-hmm. It's a miracle that a lot of them are still alive. Right. Uh, it was more the the norm to be involved than not to. And we did lose a, a bunch of people even even then, you know, like uh, Lane Staley of uh, Alice in Chains, the Shannon Hoon from uh, Blind Melon. I mean, these guys that did that, or f- for whatever reason, they weren't able to surpass that period of their rock lifestyle. Or, the debauchery, yeah. yeah. You know, when you do drugs, you never know if mm-hmm. that first time is going to be your last time. Mm-hmm. Really, you're putting your life into the into the hands of some guy out there, or people, or organization that's mixing a bunch of chemicals to kind of half kill you, yeah. and 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 then hope you you surpass that onto the next. It's amazing that a lot care. of people are still right. No, they don't care. You already bought the you already bought the the product. But uh, it's amazing that so many people did survive with so much heroin and cocaine and crack and everything that was mostly. Heroin heroin and cocaine back then that was being done so it, it's amazing that uh, I, would, I thought it was a uh, funny in a, in a weird kind of way when people say oh they died from a bad batch of drugs really which is a good batch <laughs> yeah really way to figure out which was a good batch yeah the one you survive i guess yeah so it's you like know bad and not so bad there you go mm-hmm. yeah but they made it through that time, and now, like you said, a lot of them are grateful to be back, man. You see the guys from Aerosmith? Mm-hmm. You know, the Toxic Twins, they were down and out. They had, like... They had, uh, Everybody had written them off. Yeah, they much. said, you know, I had a mansion, it went up my nose. I had an airplane, went up my nose. Everything Crazy. I had went up my nose. And now they're grateful. You see, when we would see them here, you know, yeah. it's like telling the, the security, hey, chill out, man, smoke a fatty. Let these guys enjoy the concert. Yeah. You know, because now they're back and they're enjoying it and they're living it. Uh, grandparents, you know, they're grandparents now and they're out there enjoying what they do. And now I think that resurgence that they had, uh, a lot of these stars, uh, even the ones that are playing clubs mm-hmm. that can still go out and do what they love mm-hmm. and meet the fans and meet us old fat guys that still, yeah. you know, rock to them and support <laughs> them. That is uh, that gives them more life. And they're now enjoying well, that the, maybe that blackout period they had in the in the eighties. And some stuff that I'm sure that there's times that they don't even remember. Yeah. You know. But, well, speaking of, of guys that are playing clubs, Venom Inc. I got a chance to uh, drive up to San Antonio and uh, check them out this last uh, last week, last Wednesday. Check it out. My uh, my cassettes, uh, awesome. uh, sleeves signed by uh, Mantis and Abaddon. That was pretty cool. And uh, had the opportunity to uh, walk in. First off, we get there. Uh, me and my uh, nephew Lenny, uh, our nephew Lenny. And um, uh, at about six o'clock, we head over to the club, and we're like, "Man, where's it? What are we going through? Right? We've never been there." So we go around the back, and there's a door ajar, and the bus is over to the, around the corner. So I'm like, "Well, let's go in this door." So I open the door, and this big tall guy standing there's like, "Yeah, how's it going? You know, looking for uh, the tour manager or whatever, whatever." So I go in there. And uh, Mantis is on, on stage, you know, uh, doing a sound check, right? I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So I look back, and that tall guy that I'd passed on the on the uh, way in was Abaddon. Yeah, <laughs> had the drug kid. I was like, oh, I was like, wow, I feel like a total tool now, you know? I'm like, so yeah, so I was just totally looking forward, you know, not looking forward to, but rather I was focused on finding this other guy, yeah, totally oblivious, because I'd never met Abaddon. He's actually pretty tall. So whatever, and I and I get to see them uh, do the sound check, and then I go up 
to uh, Tony, who's over there in the back, the singer. And uh, thank you very much for setting up the interview. I was like, hey, how you doing? I'm super warm greeting like you're talking about. You know what I mean? And I'm like, hey, Tony, what's going on? It's been three years. Like, man, you still look the same. And I don't know what I was like. And I showed him the picture. Right? I was like, look at that. Like, we still look exactly the same. Right? He's like, oh, look at those handsome devils or whatever. So I was joking around. Great guy, right? So we're there hanging out. We got to check out them uh, do their uh, sound check. Took some pictures. Got some autographs. But Tony steps out. And uh, we're there. We're just watching. Did a little filming. I filmed one of them, uh, one of the songs that they did. And um, uh, when we're there, this guy comes out of nowhere. Says, hey, y'all need to go. Y'all need to get out. Doors are closed. You know, doing a sound check. We're like, yeah, no, no, I know. We're going to be doing an No, no, y'all need to get out. Y'all need to get out. And the doors are closed. I'm like, okay, I got it. I'm just, we're going to hang on. We're, where's Tony? You know, I'm, I'm totally out of nowhere, this guy, right? So we start walking towards the door and he's, you know, rambling on. So I see the, the tour manager, Rodrigo, over there by the merchandise table. And I start kind of walking. I was like, no, hey, hey. And start getting yelled at. I'm like, Okay, okay, I got it. I'm going out, right? Turns out it was the owner of the club. So I guess, <laughs> so I didn't know. I mean, you just come over here and start yelling at me. Anyway, so I'll go uh, outside and Tony's out there. So I'm like, hey, Tony, can we set up the interview? Yeah. I go, we got kicked out. We can't, can't go back in, right? Ah, let's go around the back. See, so we can go downstairs. So he started going downstairs. Like, no, no, you can't be in here. You can't be in here. I'm like, I'm like, look, Tony, I'll just, I'll follow you. I don't want to lose the opportunity to do an interview, right? right. He says, you know what? Let's go on the bus. Okay, so go on the bus, and all three of them are in there. Oh, nice. So I'm like, all right. So I was like, hey, uh, do you mind if I do the interview? Would you all like to participate? And they said yes. So I was able to not only interview Tony, whom I had scheduled the interview with, but also uh, the other Tony, Abaddon, and Mantis. So I got to interview all three of them. Very cool. Which An interview which my brother Joe has not listened to. But we will tonight. All right. Sure. Anyway, so I got the opportunity to talk to them, and it was really, really cool. Very, very uh, – what I liked about it is they were very genuine and very open and honest, and they'd answered every question I had. And uh, obviously uh, a lot of cussing involved, especially <laughs> Abaddon. And I was like, I should try editing this episode. Then I heard it on the way home. Yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to – it would be too many you know, beeps. Hello and goodbye. Yeah, it was too many beeps in there, man. So every other word, it was hilarious. So, of course, I had to participate as well. So, you know. Anyway, so I had the interview, about a good 30-minute interview with them. And uh, Lenny was there with me. Very, very cool guys. And uh, allegedly, they said they were going to record an album, hopefully, if they had an opportunity in this break in summer. And maybe return later this year. Awesome. However, footnote, if you heard the interview and you heard that part of the interview, uh, lead singer Tony is not sure if he wants to continue. So, because Empire of Evil was going strong. You know right, what I mean? Right. So I don't know if he wants to continue with Empire of Evil and kind of just leave Venom Inc. To, for what it was or, you know, because Abaddon wants to continue. And so we'll see what happens. I told him, I go, look, whatever you decide, it's fine by us. We don't have to like it. But you know what I mean? But it's your decision. We'll support you, yeah. Absolutely. So want to thank uh, both Tonys and, and, and Mantis for giving us the uh, opportunity to uh, interview you guys on the tour bus. And uh, it was uh, it was a lot of fun, man. And then the show with um, Necrophasia and uh, a couple other bands, Hod and Hellknife, which was very good. The first opening band. And um, just a great show, man. I was up there in front. I don't know if you saw the video that I recorded, Black Metal. And uh, I have a little camera that I got with a little waterproof case. The case acted as a filter for the audio so the audio came out clear because I was literally in the front row there was one guy in front of me and the case 
filtered out this super loud thousand watt PA system or whatever they had, and you can actually hear the song. Oh, that's so good. It worked out, you know. If you haven't checked that out, you can check it out at facebook.com slash the small hours podcast, black metal, live at the Corova by Venom Inc. And uh, it was a it was a blast, man. I had a lot of fun. Afterwards you got a chance to uh, get a couple things signed. I got a set list from Tony and he gave me the pick that he played with that. Oh night. nice. He's like, here, here, wait, 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 I got this for you. It crumpled up set list. I didn't want anybody else to take it. I'm like, thank you. So he got them uh, got them to sign it and uh, hang on, I got this over here. And then he reaches into his pocket and he pulls out a, a black bass pick and uh, he goes, here you go. Goes, no, 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 wait, wait, give it back. Then he, uh, he goes, this is the one I played with. So he gave me the pick that he played Very with that cool. night. So I have my Empire of Evil one here and uh, my Venom Mink one and my lyrics to Taking It All. And I've gotten my autograph pictures as well. All fanboy. So uh, That's awesome. It's a lot of fun, man. You know, like you said, you have this opportunity to meet these guys that have been doing it for literally decades are now getting a, a resurgence, especially these guys, and still being grateful enough for to the fans for going out there and supporting them on all these dates in North America and on all over the world recently, uh, really rather that uh, they still take the time to meet with fans and, and you know and talk to them and sign anything and everything because they know they might be the last opportunity they have enthusiastically you know yep. you see some people that do it begrudgingly or charging you know, or yeah for only six hundred fixed- fifty dollars yeah, you can come you. and sign a picture screw you Axel. <laughs> Take a picture with your own cell phone. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jeez. you know, um, that, it's great that these guys are doing that. And like I said, I'm glad they're out there grateful for the opportunity to be able to do what they love. And uh, hopefully it's it's their livelihood. They, they can still make money out of it. Right. Traveling throughout. Not just, you know, they do all this for the love for of nothing. the art and then have nothing to show for. Yeah. And I hope they're making money. Absolutely. I agree. So thank you guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, Rodrigo, for facilitating everything. And just a lot of fun. And, and Lenny actually printed out those pictures. For me, so I got three copies of the picture signed. That's awesome. Autograph. So, so thank you very much to uh, our nephew Lenny. Now on to the mm, the uh, serious part, I guess, of the Smallers Podcast episode twenty. Just seriously, totally screwed up thing that happened recently that you if you follow any sort of music news or metal news you've already heard of and and there's more stuff coming out i know you shared an, another article right before you came over to record phil anselmo man was at the uh, dime bash 2016 and uh, at the end right after they finished literally finished playing walk by pantera and on the video you can hear uh, jose mangan from sirius xm liquid metal where you can hear the new black sabbath uh, <laughs> thanking everybody for being out there and from all reports from what I can tell a phenomenal turnout a great great crowd a lot of energy a lot of love it was for Dime it was for Lemmy and then Phil apparently I don't know if he was drunk or on drugs or both or neither I don't know what but he goes out to the front of the stage and he for whatever reason decides this is a great time right now right after we finish this festival of, of sharing our love for metal and, and these metal legends this is a perfect time for me to give a, a Nazi salute to the crowd and shout out emphatically so people can hear exactly what I'm saying white power like no mistake like don't don't mistake it as a matter of fact the video that I that I sent you if you look at the uh, girls in the front one of them goes out and says what like what is he and then and then he repeats it yeah like he saw him and <laughs> and it's like you know at the first time I, I saw it because the person who filmed the original video released 
walk with that part edited out. Mm-hmm. But then he released that one, and that's where the Desmaide started, yeah. where people actually found out what happened. And when I first saw the actual video of him saying it, I was like, literally dumbfounded, man. I, I could not believe that I was watching him do that. I Mind you, there have been other instances where he's done stupid shit. You know, he's railed against, you know, rap music and, and stuff like that. So it's not the first time that his name has been mentioned uh, along the same lines of, could this guy be racist? You know, this was just like, no question. You know what I mean? That this was like in, emphatic that he wanted to make sure people heard what he said. So when I heard it, I was like, wow, dude, this sucks. And um, I, I watched it a couple times. I'm like, that is not a... It doesn't sound like a joke. It uh, doesn't sound like he, you know, was goofing around. I don't know, dude. You know, I was just like, I couldn't believe it because, you know, I'm a fan of Pantera. I've been since freaking, I have power metal for crying out loud before <laughs> Cowboys from Hell. And um, when Cowboys from Hell comes out and, and just start blowing people away with like, wow. Nobody thought anybody past Metallic and Slayer was going to be something different that could be make an impact in, in in a significant way on in the metal scene. And this was a brand new band from Texas, Texas music, and just changing, you know, not creating a new genre or anything like that. But it was one of those like young guys again, and, and rage and anger and quality music and fantastic musicianship and Rex Brown and Vinny and Dime and Phil and just awesome. And then he does this, man. You know, it sucks. We're talking about the facade falling off. Yeah. You know, we're talking about uh, when when Bieber's trying to behave and I turned over a new leaf and then he does something stupid. Yeah. Uh, when I saw that, that's what I was thinking. I go, wow, did the mask just slip? You know? What, he ripped it off. Yeah. I mean, did it come off or or was it just, you know, a, a momentary lapse of stupidity? I mean, obviously the feelings are there. They're inside him, but whether he's controlled them all his life or like the other guy that came on uh, uh, from what's that other interview you shared? Uh, uh, the Rob Flint, the guy from Machine Head. Machine Head, yeah. Like he said, we've all yeah, we grew up listening to Eddie Murphy and 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 uh, mm-hmm. other Richard black Pryor comedians, Richard and... Pryor. So I mean, nobody, none of us considers oh, I've never said the N word because we repeated all the jokes, mm-hmm. but. I think there's a difference between uh, singing a rap song that has it, uh, saying a joke that has it, and doing it maliciously. Now, saying, like, that white power, and then, like, looking and out every, into the crowd. And all the baggage that it comes with. That it carries, yeah. yeah. Like, white power, and then saying it again. You know, we just, I fin- finished watching Sons of Anarchy not too long ago. Mm. And you see that there is a culture within the U.S. Heck, we're up here just no- uh, north of uh, of Austin. And this guy walked in and he was, you know, skinhead with all the Nazi uh, stuff on him. The SS and the swastikas and the whole nine, the whole nine yard mm-hmm. uh, walking around there in the, in the supermarket where we're at. You know, he was alone, so he's very subdued. But I can just imagine fifteen or twenty of those guys around, yeah. and you know, one of you, one of me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd be a little subdued too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's out there. So and then unfortunately, a band from Texas, which <clears throat> we uh, already have, you know, a lot of uh, uh, racist 
connotations to just because you're from Texas, oh, you must be a, ra- a racist. Mm. You know, Jasper, the incident in Jasper years ago, and yeah, and more. You know, and but then you ha- you hear like Rob Flynn talking about it. And it's like, you know how how it is being in the in the metal scene and in having seen stuff like that before. I got to see this through the lenses of something I said in the interview I had with Venom because I was talking to Tony, the lead singer, about how a guy had threatened to shoot him. Because he's a fan of Kronos. And he's like, I'll put you on the guest list every show. I'll give you gas money if you don't have it. But come and watch the show before you decide to shoot me. You know, and if you shoot me, wound me. Don't kill me because at least I'll have a cool (laughs) scar and you'll get in the news or whatever. You know, so he's kind of making a joke about it. I go, you know what disappointed me the most about that guy is that at being a part of the... Of the metal scene, the rock scene, metal scene, whatever you want to call it. And I'm going literally on four decades now since, what, Ozzy's, you know, Blizzard of Oz. Or if you want to count the wall, you know, I mean, when I started getting into into rock or Peter Frampton, Frampton Comes Alive. I mean, that's how long I've been listening to rock. And then I, I transitioned into, into you know, my music. When I was growing up, then we discovered Metallic and Slayer and Anthrax and all. So that what was my progression. And I told him what disappointed me the most is that it's always I've always felt that our our genre our our people have are more of a a family a brotherhood where you some of our biggest heroes man and I mentioned it Rob Halford openly mm-hmm. gay yeah one a, a freaking rock god vocal god and you know I mean Freddie Mercury one of my favorite singers I mean it's one of those things where you, yes there's discrimination but. We hold these guys like these. This is this guy is one of our best. Yeah, you know, to to where, like I said, there are pockets of discrimination. Yeah, there are people that that are you know homophobic or racist or whatever. But for the most part, we're very accepting, man. We go to shows anywhere. I've been California and in, in, in you know Long Beach and San Diego and all this stuff. I went to shows in different places in the United States, and you know, there's white guys and Mexicans and black dudes and Asian guys and. We're all there to enjoy the music. We're all there letting out our aggression. We're all there just letting this music speak to us. And that's what disappointed me the most about the guy that threatened Tony. So then I got to see Anselmo do this after I said that. Mm. So I got to see it through that. I'm like, wow. And this is a guy from Pantera. Yeah. You know, and that's why it was even more disappointing to me, man. So having said that, did you see the apology? I did. I did. Um... It was one of those, it, it seemed to me more like a, you know, how a cheater regrets getting caught. Yeah. You know, yep. that's why I'm apologizing because I got caught and not because I really feel it. Um, Jerry Falwell action. He, here you go. Uh, <laughs> that's who exactly came to mind. You did it, but it was uh, the other guy. Um, Falwell? No, it wasn't Falwell. No, uh, no, the. Swagger. 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 It was a full swagger, yeah. It was a full swagger? Yeah, it was a, I have sinned before you. And that's, that's, you're right. That's exactly what it came across as. And and you could see in his eyes, I don't know if it was the regret of having done it, or like you say, the regret of having been caught and now feeling the repercussions of the multitude of people and fans worldwide that supported you for decades. Now letting you know how much of an asshole you are. Yeah. Cause I'm sure you heard it. 
you know? <laughs> and yeah, there's going to be, be, be people that'll support him. Of course. He can, if he wants to continue down that path, there will be plenty of people that will pay to see him sing and spew that. But it's not going to be us, man. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, it didn't seem believable to me. It just seemed like a crap. I misjudged what I did. Yeah, I, I didn't think I'd get I'd get that reaction. Oops. Yeah, that kind of regret, mm-hmm. not regret like man, I can't believe I said that. I was, and even then, how do you how how do you justify that? You know, how do you then say, man, I was really drunk. That's why I said white power. You know, I mean, there's, <laughs> it's you know, it just amplifies, it magnifies who you are. Like me, I get really horny. No. <laughs> you know, I cuss a lot when I drink, so you know, I don't know. Can I cuss more than when I'm sober? I'm not mm. sure. But it, it magnifies who who you are and magnifies your personality, you know. And unfortunately, I think we saw a not even a glimpse, man. We just saw the actual freaking full screen, high def, 4K Ultra HD Phil Anselmo, man. Yeah, that's what it feels like, and that sucks. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does because you, you've always seen him one way, and now you can't unsee that. Yeah, exactly. You can't unsee that. It's like it's like somebody sending me a video of this guy getting arrested and just pulling out a gun and blowing his brains out without warning. And it's like, dude, why'd you send me that? I can't unsee that. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. it'll always be with me. And that's that's one of the, those moments. Where like, what did the, did he just? Yeah, he did. And it's there forever. Yeah, like, for everyone to see forever. You know, and 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 it sucks, man. And and it makes me wonder if that has anything to do with why Vinnie Paul didn't want to ever get back together with him to reform Pantera. Because uh, Zach Wild from you know Black Label Society said, "I'd love to freaking fill in as you know on on guitar for Dime in a reunion for Pantera, which would be freaking phenomenal." I think. And right. now that's all, man. I mean, how do you come back from it? It's, you know, you look at something like like Mel Gibson being an, an a-hole when he's drunk and, and, you know, you know, Jews are the cause of all the wars or whatever. Is it at that level? It just seems more violent and more full of hatred what yeah. Anselmo did. Yeah. That's what it feels like. You know, and like Gibson, I'm like, wow, what an asshole. You know, because he, he didn't say sugar tits, too. So, <laughs> right? you know, exactly. And Anselmo is more of a like, wow, this guy. Yeah. Something else. You know, mm-hmm. it's like um, let's let's open up the gas chambers or something. It, yeah, it was like a, like a prison gang type. Uh, that's what it felt like. Very what's it? Vitriolic. Very yeah, just, vitriolic, hateful. Yeah, and that's what was uh, was disappointing. So the future of of Anselmo right now. I mean, there's people that have come back from a lot of stuff, but it's going to be man. I don't know what road he has to walk. To come back from this one. Hmm. Ironically. You know? Yeah. What does he have to do? Who's people can change, you know? But I mean this is this is out there. And it's fresh. Right. It'll take it'll take time. It the smartest thing you can do right now is just he shut already up. did his apology. Shut up. Back away from the limelight for a while. Back away from the spotlight. Back away from... Don't answer anybody. And shut up. Uh, yeah, just shut up. And shut up some more. And just stay shut for a while. Yeah. And and maybe in a couple of years, come back out of your hidey hole and, and, uh, and, and, and do something <laughs> worthwhile, you know? Yeah. Um, 
do something do something good for people so that you know maybe we'll white whitewash that's probably not a good term yeah. <laughs> uh paint over this uh you know this this moment in, in time because for many years he's, he's entertained so many people and they've known that way and, and put uh, up with a lot of his shit yeah let him let a lot of shit slide right i mean we have we have let a lot of stuff slide so now you can't. Now, now you can't you because know. now you know this is. Oh, it wasn't isolated inst- instances. Yeah. This is who he is. Yeah. Now, now you know, and I think on a on a broader level, now I think people know just how far we're not. You know how far you can go, and how far we're not going to put up with what you do. Right. Now you know everybody out there. If you're in a band that that wants to be a part of the metal scene, now you know that there's some things you do not do. And that's one of them. Yeah, remember uh, the guy played Kramer. Yeah, you know that was a, that would have been that should have been a big hey. This yeah. is off limits. You know, regardless of what you say, regardless of the the like, he's, everybody says, well, you know, rappers say the n word all the time. You know, um, that's not a valid that argument. Not a valid argument. Um, you just you just you know, there's certain things you you're, you you shouldn't want to do. Right. You shouldn't want to do that. Exactly. And on that note, on uh, probably the most somber note we've ever finished an episode of the Small Hours Podcast, unless you have anything else to add that's, uh, that you have top of mind, because that was, by the way, that was the top of mind segment of the Small Hours Podcast. <laughs> no, I think, I think that's it. I think that's it for me. On that note, we're going to wrap up episode 20 of the Small Hours Podcast. Uh, I want to thank you, by the way, those of you that have stuck around long enough to listen to episode 20 of the Small Hours Podcast. Really do appreciate it. Appreciate it. You can catch all our episodes at thesmallhours.podbean.com. You can drop us a line, email at gmail.com. And, of course, stop by facebook.com slash thesmallhourspodcast and like our page. And, of course, every now and again, I'll post something up there as well, whether it's, uh, it's you know celebrity-related, movie-related, music-related related or just something dumb i see on the internet you can check it out there as well again facebook.com slash the small hours podcast joe and this is us doing this just because we love doing it yeah there's there's no paycheck here just trust to, me <laughs> well i get a, i get free drinks yeah so you got a beer at least a free beer, beer and uh water so thank you very much hey love your kids hug them kiss them buckle them up the water's and, a quarter. Uh, water <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time. There you go. That'll do it for episode number 20 of the Small Hours Podcast. Thank you very much for listening to us. Uh, thank you, Brother Joe, for being a fantastic part of uh, what makes the Small Hours Podcast special. That's from the bottom of my heart. And hope to see you next week with episode number 21. If it's not next week, it'll be a little bit later after that. But it will be episode number 21. You've been listening to the Small Hours Podcast with Al Guevara. I'm Al Guevara. We'll catch you next time. Hey, this is Tapwater. What the...